My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for another episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and with me on this episode is a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, Ron from New England. You know him from many different podcasts, but most importantly, his own podcast, The Wicked Planet Podcast, and he did not disappoint, folks. We went all over the map in the best of ways and touched on a lot of subjects that i know you guys are interested in if there's more you'd like to hear talked about on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast please don't hesitate get in touch with us right in the episode description you'll see the link to podinbox.com slash mftic and that's the place where you can leave us a voice message and then we're gonna play those voice messages on the podcast and if you sign up for the patreon you can join us every month for a Patreon-only swap cast where we just talk to you guys. Group hangout. Tell us why your family thinks you're crazy. And so much more. We have, obviously, the synchro mystic exploration of the ever-expanding now on the Patreon. You can only get the whole show on the Patreon, folks. So please sign up on the Patreon today and get the entire version of of our conversations with Michael Wan and Jenny Rivers, Laurel Erica, and many more to come. We got David Matheson coming up soon and many, many more episodes besides that. Things that I've been adding to the Patreon for months now. So there's almost as many episodes on the Patreon as there is on the free feed that you're listening to the show on right now and if you guys are listening on spotify that's cool i appreciate you but come on over to podcast attic cast box or any of the other podcast apps because i guarantee you'll have a better experience but that's just my two cents anyways help us out throw us two cents on the patreon patreon.com slash mftic and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ron from New England of the Wicked Planet podcast. These societies that we're being told, oh, those are just myths. They never existed. Well, I'm a pretty firm believer that they did exist, right? I think we're headed for a dystopian I think if we're going to keep thinking in that logic, though, then, you know, this dystopian side of 
transhumanism. We talked about parallel universes and parallel realms last night on the show. In my head. Your soul could come back, and, and, and I don't think it's linear. Your soul can come back, and you could be born in the 1200s, or, or 10,000 BC, or you could be born in 2022, or you could be born in 2502. But I don't think it's linear. You could go forward and you could go backwards. Maybe that's just the shadow side that we have to go through before it becomes a good thing and flows into technology serving the planet, technology serving the organic energy of the planet rather than robbing it and starving it and choking okay. it. You know, yeah. The futurism side of uh, biology that these societies that were being told oh those are just myths they never existed well i'm a pretty firm believer that they did exist right and these oysters take all the toxins out of the water and it cleans the water it takes the algae out it takes the pcbs out it takes all these things out of the water and my question that i posed to somebody and the guy was a scientist who answered me so it was really cool okay so now we're eating these oysters because you know seafood's a big thing up here like we all eat oysters, clams, mussels, lobsters, scallops, you know, all these mollusks that we eat like crazy up here. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. When you go to Portland and you go to Jay's Oyster Bar, like those oysters are raw. And these oysters have been eating toxins. Well, the scientists explained to me uh, that they, they expel that. But when they expel it, it's no longer toxic. Like it comes in and there's something in the oyster that, that neutralizes the toxin. And then they process it and they put it back out. But it is proven, like that's a big deal in the state of New Hampshire, is cleaning up these estuaries with the use of oysters. So, so we have that now. So what's later, say 50 years from now, what is the technology, you know, maybe it won't be oysters, maybe there'd be, you know, some microbe that they, you know, invented in a lab or they genetically modified or whatever, but to do a good thing. Like stop genetically modifying things to do bad things. Let's genetically modify them to do good things. And put this in the water, and maybe it will eat all the goddamn plastic that they put out in the ocean. You know, and take care of all these things. And, and now, you know, just, just doing that, getting rid of your trash is a big deal, right? Here, we burn it for electricity, so that's cool. That's actually a good thing for us. But, but yeah, later on in life... It, I love the, the synchronicity, the town where we're from. Every summer, there's an oyster festival. I'm like, oh yeah, oysters, cool, true, purpose, oyster serves raccoons and mammals and all types of birds eat maybe fish i don't know oysters have always been a reason why people have come to these parts of connecticut and i'm sure new hampshire going back all the way to the time before european settled here these societies that were being told oh those are just myths they never existed well i'm a pretty firm believer that they did exist right we could have a totally utopian society and, and if you were a good boy in this life that you could be on your path to enlightenment and you might be lucky enough to live in a utopian society versus a dystopian society which is what we're going to end up with unless some people start stepping up and, and stopping that from happening yeah yeah All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. And today on the mic, we've got my co-host. Hey. How you doing today, Tara? 
pretty swell. Swell indeed. <laughs> and there's a heat swell here in Connecticut. So we're podcasting from the basement and we've got a good friend on the show today. Someone who knows what a New England summer is like. He's sitting in one himself up there. Ron from New England. Ron, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you guys doing? We're all right. We're all right. We're besides, happy to be besides, in. besides roasting. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, ha- we're happy to be plugged in because I feel like I've been away from the, the helm of the ship here for a while because we've been adventuring and exploring the real world. And yeah, it's nice to get back in the virtual studio with a good friend like yourself, Ron. This is way overdue. You were a guest on our episode 10 of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And here you are again. And uh, I've learned a lot about you since, Ron. Oh, boy. I've learned a lot about you since we've gotten real close and I got to say, you know, you've become definitely one of the many people and now one of the few people who I can call a mentor. And that means a lot to me because you've taught me a lot. You've shared your wisdom with me and it's benefited my life in certain situations. So without going too far into the personal details Maybe we can get into that today and, and talk a little bit about who you are and how you stumbled into this podcasting realm, because I don't know if we quite answered that in your first journey here in the My Family Think Some Crazy podcast. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that, right? The origin so, of Ron so, from New England. Yeah, so you know, I, uh, you know, I want to thank you for considering me a mentor. I know that we've talked a lot over the, over the last four probably five or six months, right? Which is really cool because, you know, I'm an older guy and, and with age comes wisdom. <laughs> so, 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 and the funny thing is, is out of all of our big podcasting circle, I'm, I'm the old guy, like I'm the oldest guy. Huh. I, I think I have figured that. I don't think there's anybody that's as old as me in, in our circle. Let's just say that. So, but that's well, okay. I, and I, and I like to share my wisdom with people that, uh, that I feel as though could use a little bit at the time. So, hey, I just wanted to real quick. I just wanted to commend you. You got a really cool co-host there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, Tara. Hi. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So it's yeah. It's good to be back, Mark. I know we did a few little quick Patreon ones, uh, a few call-ins, and some things like that, testing equipment, basically. But right. but yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a busy week. I've been on a lot of shows this week. And before we get too far into the details, the nitty gritty, Tara and I have been listening here and there to your fantastic podcast, the Wicked Planet podcast. For those who haven't heard it already, go check it out. Ron's going deep with guests and with his co-host, Buckley, and other co-hosts and doing deep dives on different subjects and Take it away, Ron. Tell them a little bit more about the Wicked Planet, because I know the Wicked Planet is something that is very much inspired by you and your life and all the things that you're interested in. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's funny how we got to this point, right? Everything has an evolution. It has a starting point. <clears throat> and my podcast is the Wicked Planet podcast. If anybody's interested in checking that out, Mark's been a big help with me on my little technical issues with that. So I appreciate that. And I do have my co-host Buckley. I have our co-host, uh, Kristen, 
who makes it as much as she can. That kid's got a busy schedule. She was able to, for instance, she came in last night, but she had to leave before the end of the show. But so I was pretty impressed that she took the time to, you know, drive 45 minutes to get to the studio just to be on for 45 minutes. So that was really cool. And we're going we're gonna to hear more from Kristen going forward. Uh, Buckley and I have got some stuff in the pipeline that's going to be real interesting. We like it now. We can start getting people into the studio. I mean, we've had a couple of in-studio guests that uh, worked out pretty cool. We have an in-studio guest coming for next week's episode. And we have uh, a lot of people lined up to do the, you know, to do them like how we're doing it on Zoom right now. The whole thing kind of started out over something as simple as an Instagram post that I replied to, that I commented on. And that's kind of what got the wheels rolling, right? And I always like to talk about Ryan. Ryan gave me my start, basically. You know, Ryan from The Dangerous World and Brandon. And they had me on one of their really earlier episodes. And we talked about the Fourth Reich. And we talked about the Nazis. And we talked about the WHO and the Red Cross. And I hadn't listened to the show and probably because it's been over a year since I did that show. I listened to it recently and I'm like, oh my God, we like we're hitting a nail right on the head even back then. And that was, and that was you know, when, at that point, I want to say we were about six months into the whole COVID deal. And it's just funny how things work out. So, so I ended up being a recurring guest on The Dangerous World multiple times. And uh, which was awesome. I loved being on that show. I still, I just did, I did a show the other night, a small segment with Dangerous World that Ryan just recently put out on his series on mind control. And uh, so, and, and then of course, through that, we got hooked up with Joe, Jen and Ben at Legit Bat, right? So we were on there a few times and uh, loved those guys, obviously. And then we got hooked up. Well, we kind of in between, I was making a few appearances on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, Mark, you know, I got to tell you, I love, absolutely love, love your intro. When you say, oh, come on, Mark, here we go. Whatever, when you, when you imitate your, your uh, whatever family member was getting on your case. Oh, oh here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's, just, it's just funny. I kind of, I kind of enjoy intros uh, when people put uh, work into them and, and they, make the, they make the intro like kind of funny. We haven't done that. We have, we have just music for our intro right now. But Buckley did it himself, which is really cool. Like he actually played the instruments in our intro. So, oh, so that's cool. So we're going to go with that for a while. People seem to like it. I started out on the dangerous world and, and, and like I was telling those guys, you know, this is nothing new for me. I mean, the podcasting thing is relatively new for me, but, but studying and researching and looking into these topics goes all the way back to elementary school for me. And I'm 57 years old. So, I mean, I've been out of high school. I think it's 40 years this year since I've been out of high school, right? So, but I was always big into uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, everybody knows that's one of my big ones. I was into Bigfoot, aliens, extraterrestrials, you know, UFOs, that whole thing. Mm. Uh, And and then I just kind of took it from there. You know, I've got my subjects that I like. You know, my wife says, oh, there's only three shows that Ron watches, shows about Hitler shows about ufos and shows about bigfoot (laughs) and i'm like that's not true sometimes i watch shows about psychedelics (laughs) you know and it's funny you bring that up because tara asked me you know last night she's like well what was what's the history like what what did what got you into this first you know and for the most part the television shows that are about those topics really made me 
think, oh, there's way more to look into here. And, you know, I can only imagine the types of shows that were coming out in the 70s and the 80s, you know, back when what's the unexplained mysteries was still live, you know, those types of of shows. So, yeah, you've got a lot of years on me in that regard for researching these topics. But as a kid, like all these shows, you know, Ancient Aliens, Bigfoot, it almost made me feel and even all the Nazi stuff, it made me feel like. You know, this is the safer conspiracy stuff, you know, like there's more to this. Was that also your experience when you dove deeper? Okay, so so I'm even going to predate those shows. When I was a kid and I've said this on other shows, so people might be familiar with it. But when I was a kid, we had basically one show that covered these subjects. One, I mean, we only had three channels back then. And it was a show called In Search Of. Mm. And the host was Leonard Nimoy, who was Spock on Star Trek. Right. Right. I think you told me about this months ago. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so it was the show In Search Of that, that did these. Uh, and I mean, it was a half an hour show, so they couldn't get too deep into it. But it was definitely enough to suck you in. That was a big thing for me. Oh, I got I to gotta make sure that I'm home to watch In Search Of. I mean, there was no DVRs. Even VHS hadn't come out then. So it was a big deal to get all your stuff in your snacks and your drink and you're ready to sit in front of the TV to watch in search of it. And actually, Leonard Nimoy's son, he's the one that hosts the newer version of in search of. But but, you know, as we were getting more more channels available to us, of course, History Channel's huge one for me. And and then, you know, because you could, there was a time you could get, you know, the history of the SS, the history of Hitler, Hitler's in a circle, and they do all the UFO shows. And then, of course, Sukalos came out with Ancient Aliens, which is a fantastic show. But even on these shows, they just, they just like cover the surface. I, I mean, Ancient Aliens kind of goes in it a little further, but they're short, like four minute segments on each subject. So it is like, but but it's enough, but it's enough to get you interested into a certain subject. And then you take that and you go from there and you do your research on that. But, but I mean, but ancient aliens has actually been out for a long time now. What are they on? Like episode, uh, I mean, season 15 or something like that now. I mean, I think they're even in the twenties. Yeah. Season like 19. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that could be. But, but I mean, now, now that television's getting different with the smart TVs and all the different apps that you can get, I mean, like free apps, like say Tubi, for instance, there's a lot of documentaries on Tubi and that's a free channel. You don't have to pay for that. Same thing with Roku, the TCL channel, which is the manufacturer of the TVs in my house. Mm-hmm. So, so now you have all these different venues where you can just kind of cruise through with your remote. And it gives you the whole season. You can say, okay, well, I'll go through. I'm not really interested in that, but, oh, that one sounds pretty good. Then you save it, right? You put it on your list. And then when you have time to sit down and watch TV, which is very limited for me, you know, I'll just sit down and kind of watch the shows and kind of wind down and they're interesting. So there's a Discovery Plus app. Now I subscribe to that and it's cheap. It's like four bucks a month. And then you can get all the shows, not only history, but you can get American American Heroes Channel, which has a lot of your war history and World War II and Nazi history. Uh, I mean, it just goes on. And then you got the channels that uh, 
do all the Sasquatch stuff, the the other cryptids and all things like that. So now we have like a plethora of channels to choose from, you know, which which is which is really cool. So then I find myself, you know, I get interested in a subject and I'm like, I kind of like to stay on that subject for a while. Then it's easily it's easy to get distracted. And with me, I'm kind of more into the current stuff that's going on. That's reflected in the show, right? So so we used to have a segment on the show called Current Events. In the last two or three weeks, we've kind of just bombarded everybody with the massive amount of current events and the craziness that's going on. Even Buckley's like, well, maybe we could get off the COVID for a while or this and that. And I said, well, it's, unfortunately, it's what's relative right now. So, so we talk about it, but we bring other things in, like the episode I put out last night. Uh, was based on a, a, a listener's question. And it's really cool because listeners are starting to send us questions now. Mm. We were posed with the question, do you think we're living in a conscious simulation? So we just kind of took that. We didn't dive super, super deep into it, but we come up with some hypothesis, you know, slash theories about it. And we talked about it and it ended up being a two and a half hour show. So, so it, that's, that's, what's really cool. There's so many subjects that I'm interested in and I want to be able to cover them on the show but there's only so many hours in the day, right? So we're only doing one show a week. Right. You know, now, and it, taking it back to in search of though, at that young age, you know, what did you notice about, you know, your peers? Was that a popular show? Was that those were those topics, you know, kind of welcomed or unwelcomed in your community? Like how did you feel about this type of content was it fringe back then or is it just fringe from the perspective now because there's so many other distractions in the way you know i gotta tell you back in the 70s it was considered to be fringe back then right i i mean i mean my friends they didn't really watch that kind of stuff i don't know i was the only one i mean we lived in a pretty tight tight neighborhood you know, actually, my our, our first garage was like the focal point of the neighborhood. That's where all the kids would ride their bicycles to. They'd hang out with me after school. We'd pretend to work on our bikes and we'd go raise hell after I got out of work and stuff like that. Because I was working in a gas station when I was in first grade, first grade, second grade. I was actually pumping gas after wow. school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Very very young. As a matter of fact, my first grade teacher, when she was having a a parent teacher conference with my mom, and keep in mind, at the time, my mom was like super young. I don't even know she was, you know, maybe in her early thirties or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and, and my teacher, she says, well, you know, Ronnie's doing so good in math. He excels in math. And he's like, he's like, he just, he's so far ahead of the other kids that I kind of have to, you know, keep him segregated a little bit and, you know, give him little things to do because he just blows everybody away in math. And my mother says, well, that makes sense because he pumps gas after school and he runs the cash register. Uh-huh. And, and she says he pumps gas and runs the cash register. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. He makes change, and and that's why he's so good at math because because his father, if he screws up on change, well, he's never going to hear the end of it, right? Because uh-huh. I mean, we only at the time were making two cents. That was the profit on a gallon of gas was only two cents. So you know, two cents was a big deal, wow. you know. So so, anyways, yeah. So I was in the garage real early. I don't think any of my other friends were really into in search of, of course. Funny thing I used to do, you know, is we used to all get together like in the winter. We would go sliding. We had this big sliding hill we used to go to. And they were putting in a new highway and they had these animal fences to keep the deer and stuff from running into the road. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the kids in the neighborhood. uh, 
his name was Robbie, and and we're still friends to this day. He's in Texas. I don't talk to him that often, but but he was a little, you know, no offense to Rob, but he was not the brightest bulb, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'd always mess with him. So we, you know, we had to climb up and over this fence with our sleds and everything to, you know, we couldn't go through the fence. There was no openings to get to where we go sliding. And we're coming back and he would always struggle getting over this fence. And I remember one time I was yelling to him. We got way ahead and I'm like, Robbie, Ron, Bigfoot's right behind you. Bigfoot's right behind you. And he would freak out. He'd be so scared. And dude, we're like nine years old. We're like eight or nine years old. And I always felt like the biggest, the biggest asshole for doing that. You know, I mean, not at the time. It was hilarious at the time. But, but yeah, so I, w- I was the one out of our group of friends that was into this stuff. Nobody else was really into it. And, and even though In Search Of was deemed to be kind of fringe at the time, it was actually a very, very popular show nationwide. Right. And, and look at what's happening that's reflected in podcasting. I mean, Tinfoil Hat's at the top of the charts. There's so many great conspiracy podcasts that people are interested in because, you know, like your show attempts to do, give people an honest, authentic, right? You guys do this take on what's happening, you know, because in the media, it's always so biased and programmed that we need to, you know, really digest it like. Tara and I, we really don't watch the news. I mean, no. it's more of a, a choice at this point. I think podcasting is the way I, I stay informed, but we we definitely appreciate shows like that who can give us, you know, maybe it's biased, but it's a bias that we share, you know, for a, a reason, you know, a well thought out reason. But how do you feel, you know, when you take these ideas to the general public you know like are you generally you know do you keep this stuff to yourself when you're running the shop do you keep this stuff to yourself when you're hanging out with your friends or you know do they expect this type of conspiracy theory from you by now okay so all my friends know what i do i typically don't talk about it in my business i just this is not really to me, I'm not going to say it's not the place to do it, but it's just my customers like, like not beating up on them. But I have a lot of customers that are liberal lean left kind of, kind of customers like that, because the towns that we live in are what we call not really our town. Like our town's like a big time red town. We have a lot of hardcore rednecks and, and people with money and, but they're not like, like left leaning, like at all in my town, but the towns next to us, they're all what we call, crunchy towns which is totally fine because i like those people and they're and and they're cool customers uh i do have several customers that actually have their own youtube channels that they're like like take uh the town of canterbury for for instance that's a crunchy town and canterbury is where we have our shaker village so we have a lot of craftsmen that live near shaker village that do shaker style woodworking and things like that and then it used to be they just sold their wares at county fairs and things like that but the mm-hmm. internet has opened up a whole you know a whole different venue for them to sell their things well one of my customers who is an unbelievable woodworker he actually started a youtube channel and he has free episodes where he gives people pointers and then he has pay episodes he'll like have a class and it costs 20 bucks to take his class so him and i we talk and he listens to the show too so so we talk a lot you know the business part of it kind of because i mean i haven't monetized anything yet i 
I really probably need to start headed in that direction. But but the point is, I don't really talk about it to my customers. I have maybe five customers that are into it that listen to the show. Uh, funny thing is I got some older customers that are definitely electronically challenged, but they want to listen to the show. So I'm trying to get DVDs that I can burn, you know, up to three hours on because they're like, oh, if you made me a CD, I would listen to it at home or I would listen to it in my car. And so I'm trying to figure that out. Maybe Mark, we could talk about that sometime. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, because they're like, oh, and I would even pay you for them. I give you like five bucks a piece for them or something like that, because I'm like, <laughs> OK, well. Yeah, I don't really, I feel kind of funny about taking their money for that, but, but whatever, but, but yeah. So, so when I hang out with my friends and we have a pretty, a pretty good sized group of friends is anywhere from 10 to 14 of us at any given time that we vacation together, we go out together, we have parties together, you know, all that stuff. And we and it's basically our four wheeling group. It's all the people that we go off-roading together with. And, and there's like one person in that group that's kind of on the same page as me, but he's always, and I said, Hey, have you listened to any of the shows? Oh man, I've been busy. I've been so busy. I've been so busy. I says, you're in your service truck all day long. You can listen to it there. You drive back and forth to work. You can listen to it there and you can listen to it at work. So don't give me this bullshit about you're too busy to listen to the show. But, but it's funny because it, oh, and what man. I'm finding now, what I'm finding now is that People, you know, Mark, you probably have it, Tara, too. You have friends that know you're into it. So you'll get the little text messages during the day or you'll get this post shared to you or whatever. And right now it's like, I'm so far ahead of the curve on all the stuff that's going on. By the time I'm getting it from my friends, like that was two days ago. Like, like, we've, like we've already moved on from that. We're already on to looking into it, doing a deep dive on this story that I, that I already yeah. saw at five o'clock in the morning when I first wake up. You know, mm. but, right. but yeah, so I mean, I do, I, I kind of was asked not to talk about it in certain situations and in, in within certain company, you know what I mean? Because I, I do have a lot of friends in my circle that have taken the vaccine. They all vote uh, Democrat. They all work for the state. You know, they work for the state of New Hampshire and things like that. And that's just a whole nother different, uh, like a different mindset. Right. right. So uh, they know what I'm into. They asked me about the show. They asked me how it's doing. And it's funny, I got this one chick that hangs out in our group that actually will listen to a show, you know, once every couple of weeks, which is cool. You know, like, but they did go on all the all the uh, venues and hit the follow button. So at least they helped me out that way. I think that's appropriate, given the title of the show. Your friends, your acquaintances, your family might think you're a little crazy. You mentioned something interesting just then. A couple of things I have a follow up for, you know, people who spend their time listening to the music or the radio, you know, whatever music's on the radio. I feel like that's a certain state of consciousness that when you ask them to listen to a podcast, you're almost asking them to like get into this new for them, this new state of consciousness, you know, and I found myself kind of going back and forth between the two sometimes because it was like almost overwhelming the information. Like, let me go and listen to some Spotify for a little bit or listen to some music and digest all this information from different podcasts that I've been listening to. So yeah, I think the, the potential of podcasting is to really 
when someone finds something they're interested, such as like a, a woodworking podcast or a woodworking YouTube channel, you know, that's, uh, you know, a way to kind of open up this doorway to another world, you know, this new way of thinking. Lately, I've been likening it to the original human dialogue, the way we would learn stories from our ancestors. You mentioned the Shakers a little bit, but more relative to who you are, Ron. I know in your ancestry, your genealogy, there's some magic going on. Can we get into to some of that? Yeah, we could definitely talk about that. I just wanted to kind of just get back to the other thing real, real quick. You know, uh, and I have said this before, like what you said, Mark, you know, these people, maybe they're thinking that they go to listen to a podcast, that it might be something they don't understand. So they don't want to listen to it and then have me ask them questions about it and then say, yeah, I have no idea what's going on because I have two, two of my close friends that listen to the podcast. They will text me. Oh, I just listened to the show. I had no idea about any of that stuff. Never even heard of it before. You know what I mean? So, 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 and and that's, you know, and I get that. And, and I know that, you know, I didn't start my, and no offense to my friends, but I didn't start my podcast for my friends to listen to. So, so I started my podcast to get the things that are bouncing around inside of my head out on the airwaves for, for people that might just might be interested in listening to some of the subjects that we talk to. Now, look at, I've only got 20 something shows going, right? But, but I've been doing this over a year. You know, I did a bunch of shows with the Dangerous World, Legit Bat. My family thinks I'm crazy. You know, I did a show with Generation Z the other night, first time talking to Camden. So that was really cool. So, so I'm kind of branching out. But, but bottom line is, I think these subjects, like, like my friends have busy lives and everybody has busy lives. And, and maybe like they're already overwhelmed with their lives. And maybe if they feel like they listen to these subjects that we're talking about, it's going to overwhelm them more. I mean, even, you know, I try to, and, you know, when I told my wife, I wasn't going to talk about her on the shows anymore or whatever. And she doesn't really have a problem with it, but, but my wife is a really super uh, private person. Actually. I mean, in this town, nobody even knows that she's my wife and we've been together for 15 years. So wow. like, like there's a select few of people that know she's my wife because we don't have the same last name, right? But the police know she's my wife because she speeds all the time. And when she gets stopped, they let her go. Uh, but, but anyways, but even my wife, you know, I used to try to talk about these things with my wife and she would, you know, once in a while she would listen and other times she'd be like, you know what? I get that you're really into it, she says, but I simply just, I don't want to know. I just don't want to know what's really going on in, in the world. And she says, and I know you do, and I know you get it. She says, you're a smart guy, and I know you understand it. So, but, you know, maybe ease me into it. You know, that's the big thing is ease me into it. And the thing is, and then I found out that some of her girlfriends are listening to the show. And I said, well, where did you find out about the show? Oh, your wife texted to me. I'm like, uh -huh. okay, cool. You know what I mean? Is not every episode is for everybody. But, and another thing is, and then we'll jump onto the John Proctor thing. I, I have, you know, we get more support from my show from out there in the United States and other places in the world. I mean, especially like Australia, New Zealand, like those other United Kingdom. I mean, we get, a, we get a, yeah, yeah, we get a fair amount of support from these people in these other countries. And I think that's really cool because they want to listen to the American perspective on it. Right. right. That's what I feel. 
Yeah, so, shout out to Northern Europe. There's a, a bunch of them in the statistics. I like using Transistor as my host because they tell me state by state, country by country, how many people are listening. And yeah, it's surprising. It's it's international and English, of course, is pretty international. So yeah, oh, yeah. there's people yeah. all over the world listening to podcasts, countries you may never have heard of before. So yeah, it's definitely reaching all corners of the globe, but something that's more local to this area is just the magic maybe every landscape is magical in its own way but we were definitely reminded of how magical new england is by going down to pennsylvania you know like we spoke to ross ben someone who's been on the higher side chats he's written five books you know people can go seek him out there he's been on tinfall hat i think as well but he's a very interesting guy he asked us, he was like, you know, so tell me about the, the mystery of Connecticut. And I'm like, well, we're, we're kind of figuring that out right now. You know, it's really profound to embark on that kind of research and look into your own backyard and see the, the history that's here. And one of the major points in histories pertaining to magic is the whole phenomena of witches right and oh big time yeah and down in lancaster where we were for some time last week the amish have their type of folk magic called powwow or bruja but it's very interesting how you know these parts of the united states that were pre united states you know the colony pre-colony even where the Native Americans and these settlers from Europe, the different communities kind of mixed and, and what was spawned quite interesting. I don't know. John Proctor, I'm very unsure of who he was, but maybe you can tell us more. Yeah, sure. So John Proctor was my, it's either fifth or sixth great grandfather. So, so I'm a direct descendant of John Proctor. You know, obviously my mom. And my mom, okay, so my grandmother was a Proctor. So, so which makes my mom a Proctor and so on. I mean, we're all Proctors on our side of the family, right on my mom's side. So, but to even step it back further, like before John Proctor, because, you know, the Salem witch trials happened in the late 1600s, right? So that was, I want to say 1692 was when that took place. But there was actually witch things happening and people being uh, executed for witchcraft, even in the early 1600s, before the Salem witch trial hysteria even came into play. So somebody had sent me, you hold on one second. Uh, one of my one of my friends that knows that I'm into this stuff, and he knows about my uh, witchcraft connection. He had sent me this message the other day, and I found it really interesting. And it was a picture of a gravestone, and it was hold on one second. I apologize. In this, it was, says, "In the memory of Eunice Goody Cole." Born 1600, died 1680, accused of witchcraft. So 1680 predates the Salem witch trials, right? And this was in New England. And Goody was a very popular name. 
actually that was like a like a slang term basically uh mm-hmm. instead of calling somebody a chick or you know like a married woman was a goodie i believe or something along those lines uh-huh. anyways but i found that to be very interesting but but so my family it, it, and this is a, a really interesting part not that it's relevant but it's pretty it's pretty interesting that we discovered now my mom's cousin sue which would be my second cousin she's also a proctor she had when she retired from the railroad down there in new york she started doing genealogy for our side of the family and she's the one that spent literally years i mean we would go out to new york and visit with her and her whole you know, dining room tables were all put together and she had all these genealogy maps put out right so so she's got our family going all the way back uh to our ancestry as being normans and, and the Normans were the Vikings that settled in this, the area that, of course, now is called Normandy, France, the area of Normandy, France. And what they did was they made a deal with the leader of what was France at the time. And I don't believe it was called France. It could have been called Gaul at the time. And they said, listen, we will protect you from any invading force. You know, uh, we, our army will protect you. You know, we will fight for you, but you're going to give us our own section of the country. And that's what they did. And they gave them the section that is now called Normandy. And this is why they were called, you know, they were the Normans. So that was named Normandy where all the Normans were. But our ancestry goes all the way back to the Vikings, goes all the way back to Scandinavia, even the British Isles. So one of our ancestors was in the army of William the Conqueror. And that's been proven in the genealogy. Now, for a while, we were told that we were descended from William Con- William the Conqueror himself. But I, but I don't know how we would know that because William the Conqueror was very young when he, when he invaded England in 1066. I want to say he could have been only 17 or 18 years old at the time, right? So I take it as a, one of our ancestors was in the army of William the Conqueror. And, and, when, and when they, which to this day was the only successful invading force of the United Kingdom. Nobody's been able to do it since. Nobody was able to do it before. Nobody was able to do it since. And that was all the Battle of Hastings, which I'm sure people are familiar with. And uh, William the Conqueror appointed himself king at that point, right? So so our family, the Proctors, became very, uh, very wealthy in England and, and all through that. And, and then whatever happened or, you know, however things declined or, or how that worked, our ancestors came over to Plymouth, Massachusetts, you know, just, just like the uh, pilgrims. They actually landed the same spot the pilgrims landed. The pilgrims landed, and the pilgrims were Puritans, which was a, like a religious sect, a Christian religious sect. So they came in 1620. Our family came in 1641. But what's really interesting is that both sides of my mom's family my mom is a proctor on her mother's side. She's a wheeler on her dad's side. Both branches of her family came in 1641 on the same boat, but on a different journey, on a different voyage. So this boat was was basically was just going from England to Plymouth, in Plymouth to England, back and forth. It was like a taxi. Right. So, so I thought that that was kind of a little interesting history tidbit for my family, but, but fast forward to the times of the, of the Salem witch trials and my ancestor was, you know, for whatever reason, accused of being a witch. His wife was accused of being a witch. 
And, uh, and there's a lot of theories, you know, whether they were witches or not. I mean, who knows? We weren't there, right? And and as they say, history is written by, you know, the victor or history is written by, you know, just whoever. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean that it's all that it's all true, which is very cool when we talk about things because what we're giving now is basically an oral history on our shows, right? So people can listen to these shows later down, you know, 100 years from now, maybe somebody will be able to access these shows and say, oh, wow, they had some crazy stuff going on back then, didn't they? But right. anyways, so John Proctor, long story short, was convicted of witchcraft and was hung, executed in, in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. Right. Wow. Now, that's obviously a traumatic experience in your spiritual sort of body. You know, this is connected to you in a way. How has that, you know, magic seeped through the generations into your life, Ron? Because I know, you know, you're not totally different than him in the sense that you have experienced magic i'm sure he had to some degree enough to to be hung for it you know so what's there to be said about this and the, the qualities of being in a family like that okay so the interesting thing is and believe it or not i need to dig deeper you know because all the information that's out there is about the salem witch trials and there's all kinds of different accounts of it but I would like to find information on just my grandfather, hmm. because from what I've heard about him, what people wrote descriptions about him and his personality and what he was like, I'm like, oh, my God, that's almost me to a T hmm. because he was a no nonsense guy and he was very outspoken and he didn't care who he pissed off. Mm. that they have made perfectly clear in this. And there's a theory that because he wouldn't stop, running his mouth to the wrong people, which is, is one of the reasons why they pushed the whole witchcraft onto him was to basically get rid of him. The only way we're going to stop him from, you know, exposing what we're doing, because there's another theory that the Salem witch trials was just a big land grab. And my grandfather was a, was a big landowner, you know? So, I mean, so there's a lot of different things. Then there's the theory that, you know, they grew rye. That was their cash crop. And, and of course, rye when it has when it has gets any type of mold or anything, it gives us what? It gives us ergot, which is a, a hallucinogenic drug. Mm. So the theory is that these people were eating tainted rye with the ergot in it, and this is what was making them see things or act crazy or or just act the way they did. And of course, you know they didn't know about ergot back then. It probably said, "Oh my God, it's witch witchcraft. God wills it." We have to execute all these people and uh, exercise the demons from our town. Or basically, I mean, it could be as simple as that. I mean, we just don't know. But but when I when I read about some of the things now, there was an excerpt of what John Proctor had said when these girls were accusing him, and he said, "Oh, I know which all them girls need is a good ass whipping." You know, basically paraphrase it. But he said they just need to get their asses kicked, and maybe that'll bring them back into line. Mm. You know, so, so, and that's kind of my approach to things because, you know, I'm like, okay, so if somebody's getting out of line and they're not, you know, they're not, they're not towing the line or whatever, somebody in our family, a good ass kicking might straighten them out and give them something to think about, you know, and that's exactly how he was. You want to know a weird thing? So he was hung, right? And this may or may not be a thing, but 
I have never, ever been able to wear jewelry. There's just something about jewelry, and I have some nice jewelry. I cannot wear it. And I definitely, definitely cannot wear anything around my neck. Wow. So, I mean, is is there, because I believe in reincarnation. I believe that the soul, I mean, I've had readings done and they said, I'm a very old soul that goes back literally thousands of years. And, And I'm like, okay, so am I maybe the direct soul of John Proctor? Because I tell you right now, I've got nice, I've had girlfriends buy over the years, buy me nice necklaces and things like that, gold chains, silver chains or whatever. And I just cannot wear them. I can't wear them. I can't wear rings. I do not wear a watch. I have never, ever in my life been able to win, wear any type of jewelry whatsoever. And I, and I just find that to be a little strange. You know, you know, does that, is there a reason for that? Have you attempted to contact John? No, I know. Ne- no, no, I never have. But you know, when I did my reading, the gentleman, and he was good too. And you know, I know a lot of people think that's hocus pocus, but this guy was pretty good. And, I, and I'm not just saying that because I told him nothing about me, like nothing. And he said, well, you have a, you have an ancestor that watches you. He's your watcher. He's your guardian angel. And he watches you. And, and like, he's the only ancestor that I could think of, you know, along the lines of why I can't wear anything around my neck. Yeah. You know, that would be, you know, because these things, these things, I think like your fears that you have in this life, I feel as though you bring those from past lives. I think your DNA is recycled through your soul. And if you were hung in a past life, well, then you're not going to be too groovy about having something around your neck. Like I'm really uncomfortable wearing a tie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a marriage minister and I actually marry people. I do wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. and I wear a tie and I dress up nice. And I'm like, man, I can't wait for this to be over because I've got to get this tie off and I got to get this top button undone. And I always do this with my shirts. I always pull them so they're loose around my neck. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a subliminal thing. I've always done it. You know, it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> Right. It's just weird, but no, uh, I, I think, you know, what you're suggesting is something that a lot of people have thought of. I myself have been told by my grandmother how similar I am to my great grandfather, you know, and he was very tall like me. And I I don't know that much about him, but I he was alive when I was alive, you know. So that's really in a sense I would say it would have to be for my logical brain thinking like it would have to be from someone who had passed away previous to my birth. But what are your thoughts on, on that process and how that works? Cause I remember there was a significant death in my family that was then, you know, within a couple months, uh, a new member of the family was born. And I always wondered like, maybe that was like a link there or some sort of transfer that happened, you know? And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that and the actual mechanics of, of reincarnation? Okay, so this, yeah, so this is something I've thought about at length because I do a lot of thinking. I'm a contemplator. Like, like I, I'm a solitary guy, you know, and, and it's taken a lot of my friends a long time to understand that because I will go weeks without seeing my friends. You know, and to tell you the truth, I don't even see my wife that often. I mean, our schedules just don't mash. And of course, she gives me a hard time about all the shows that I've been doing. Well, it would be nice if you were home once in a while. I said, listen, you know that I'm. Th- this is important to me. So this is what I'm doing. 
Okay. I'm 57 years old. At some point in my life, I need to start doing what I enjoy doing. Right. So, so, so yeah, that's yeah. that. But I have thought of the mechanics of that, Mark. I guess, I guess most people would say logically that one person has to die for their soul to be transferred to another person, right? And the more that I think about that, the less I think that that's 100% the way that it happens. Well, we've had on our own show here, Aurora, who is a galactic walk-in. You know, she talks about how she had a traumatic experience and the body that she's in is not who her consciousness is. It's a new consciousness that stepped in after the previous consciousness made a choice to, to ascend or go into the spirit realm once again, and maybe come back uh, for another try in the future. But yeah, what are your, let me, let me let you go. Uh, okay. So, back. so I feel as though that, the whole concept of a person dying in their soul, leaving their body and the light in the tunnel is just the light at the hospital because you're being reborn. I mean, that's kind of a legit theory. I mean, I mean, that is possible. I mean, that could happen. Right. So, I mean, I mean, none of us have gone, died and come back. I, I mean, I, I do start looking a lot into these near, uh, what do they call them? ND, uh, NDEs near death experiences and things like that. And these are all people that may have been clinically dead at the time, but I don't think it was their time. So it was inevitable that they were going to come back. Right. So, so I don't think they were allowed to go as far as they really could have gone or as far as they needed to go to get all that information and bring it back and tell us people. So we could talk about it on the show. Like, like I don't think that they were destined to do that. So I, I kind of believe that that, that that works that way. But I'm not against the feeling, and this is something that I'm more in tune to. If you have an older family member that you're really gravitated to, like say uh, you were really close to your grandfather or your great-grandfather in some cases, or your grandmother even, I mean, it doesn't have to be the same gender as you, right? Once, and they, and they could, you could be, you know, three, four, five, ten years old. I mean, it doesn't really matter. When they pass away, their soul, I don't, I don't understand why there would ever be anything to keep this from happening. Their soul could attach to you mm. and, and get into your inner soul and kind of attach itself to your DNA to make you more and think like them. And I'm going to give you an example. Just a weird thing with my dad, right? Now, keep in mind during this conversation, and this is what makes it interesting, because I, I think in this case, you don't necessarily have to be genetically attached to a person that you're close with, to a person that's trying to basically work with you and help you out from, from you know, whatever realm they're in after they pass away, okay? A couple of weird anomalies in our family. So, so my dad that raised me is not my biological dad. He's my brother's biological dad. You know, I have two brothers. He's their dad. They have, you know, my mom and, and him. And But my real dad was uh, from down south. And, and that's how, you know, I used to play it off that, you know, I was born in Kentucky because my father was in the service in Kentucky, which if they look up is true. Like my dad that raised me here was an airborne. He was stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky with the 101st Airborne. Uh, actually, he was in the 11th Airborne, but it was part of the 101st Airborne. So, so that story covers, right? 
But my real dad was from Kentucky. He was actually a descendant from Hessians, Hessian mercenaries in the Revolutionary War, which is another thing. So on both sides of me, I have this whole this whole like like patriot factor going on in my DNA, right? So, but my dad here that raised me, and and, and here's my dad. Okay, he his birthday was May thirty first. My my niece that was actually killed in a car wreck a couple of years ago, her birthday was June first. So we always celebrated their birthdays together. And my father was not an easy person to be around. I mean, he was hard on us, but it made us who we are today. So I look back at that now, like, that's a good thing. It's fine. I, I'm over it. Whatever. You know, back then I was like, why, why is he treating me like that? Why is he doing this? That makes no sense. You know, as a kid. But Angelica, who was born on June 1st, and him were very, very close. They had a weird connection, mm-hmm. like a totally weird connection, right? So we have that about a month or two before she was uh, killed. She, she, she liked to journal a lot. She used to like to write in her journal and her diary and stuff. And she says she was talking about her grandfather. And she says, right now I'm just sitting back for death because death is my next adventure. And this was like a month or two before she got killed. And my brother wouldn't even tell me about it. I had to learn about it about six or seven months after the fact, because I know that her and her grandfather were very close and their birthdays were like right there, right together. But here's another anomaly with another one of my nieces. My father passed away on September 19th. My niece, Chiana, was born on September 20th. So one of his granddaughters was born the day after his birthday. Another one of his granddaughters was born the day after he died. I mean, I mean, on the date. It wasn't the same year. She was, she was born actually a year to the day after he had passed away. And when I look at that kid, now this is my niece that I'm raising. Me and my wife have custody of her. She's been with me now for over a year. Her and I have always had a fantastic relationship, even like from birth. You know, her mom would bring her down to the shop. Oh, I want to go see Uncle Ronnie and Uncle Chris. Take me down to the garage. And she would come in. I got pictures of her when she's like a year old sitting on my lap in my office and stuff like that. So so now she lives with me and, you know, raising her. But not only can I see her dad, who was like just like our father, but worse, but I can see our dad in her big time. And I says, you know what, Gianna, because she's a negotiator, she's tricky. She likes to try to manipulate. My father was very manipulative, but I caught on to that early. So he didn't get away with it with me, but she tries it and I can see it. So the joke is I'll say, okay, Junie. Because my father was a junior and all of his his mom and his sisters used to call him Junie. So later and all his friends called him Junie. So later in life, like we didn't call him dad, we called him Junie. Yeah. So we'd say when he was going on one of his tears or whatever, 
And my mother would say, oh, your father's on one of his tears. I says, yeah, he's being a Junie fuckbird. You know, he's exactly like a little Junie or whatever. A little, what do we used to call him? Uh, Mr. Baby Universe, we used to call him. But anyway, so I do that to Gianna when she tries to, like, she's big time right now trying to manipulate me into getting her an aquarium with fish. She actually did this whole thesis that she was working on in my wife's office uh, because uh, she knows how to copy paste. She's very good with computers. She's 10 years old. So she puts together this whole like 10 page essay on why she needs to get a beta fish. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I said, "Okay, Junie, we'll we'll see about getting a fish. She goes, stop telling. Stop calling me Junie. I said, calling you Junie is not a bad thing, but you are so much like your grandfather. It's unbelievable. So so here here go going back to the to, to the question. Is part of my father's soul in this kid? Either that or his DNA definitely is because not only does she look like him, because my dad looked a lot like my grandmother looked like his mom. Not only does she look like them, but she acts like them, like to a T. So this is ingrained in your DNA, right? So, so I believe that a soul can leave a person and inhabit a person that, that was, that was born before you passed away, I guess, basically. I mean, I think that, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. You know, I've done a lot of studying about Buddhism and stuff like that. And, and to tell you the truth, that's the only like real, and I guess I don't even look at it as a religion, which they say it's a religion. It's more of a, uh, a philosophy, right? Buddhism. I, I feel that there's the, they're the ones that have it right in my personal view. They're the ones that have it right. And then I've actually read a lot of books where Jesus actually studied the Buddha and a lot of his talks and a lot of his teaching were based on teachings of the Buddha. I actually have a book. It's called Jesus and the Buddha because the Buddha predated Jesus by 500 years. So when you read, like, like I always have a copy of the Dharmapada. You must be familiar with what that is. The Buddhist Dharmapada. Dharmapada. No. The Dharmapada. Yeah. Okay. You need to check that out, Tara. Okay. Uh, you can buy little, little, just little, little teeny ones just to keep in your car or in your pocket oh. or whatever. Uh, I've never heard of that either. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, little excerpts of little teachings and little li- lessons. It, it's like a lesson book, okay. right? Uh, from the, not the Dalai Lama, but from the Buddha himself. Mm. And uh, so, in this book, it's, it says Jesus and, and the Buddha. It gives you the lesson that Jesus gave, and then it gives you the parallel lesson that the Buddha gave, and they are like nearly identical. Because even Jesus said he was very interested in learning about this Buddha gentleman, you know? So and it was even a story, you know, there was a period of time that Jesus had disappeared. He wasn't around. So, so there's a theory that Jesus actually traveled to Tibet. Right. To get the teachings from the from the Buddha, which which I find to be actually it might have not have been Tibet, but it could have been northern what's northern India now it could have been you know what is now Nepal or whatever, because Buddhism kind of sprung from Hinduism, right? I mean, there's a lot of talk that that it sprung from other things. There's all kinds of conspiracy theories about that. I mean, but I but I more believe that 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 Buddhism came from Hinduism, and then the Buddha put his own when he when he reached enlightenment so fast, right? Mm. So, so, so bring the whole theory, the Buddhism theory on enlightenment, where you pass away, 
you're reincarnated because you haven't quite reached enlightenment yet. So you've been reincarnated into another human and you're supposed to retain all the teachings and all the things that you've learned from your past life. And you're supposed to build on top of that in your current life and so on and so forth for however many lives it takes until you reach enlightenment. And when you reach enlightenment, then you yourself, you become a Buddha. So, so that's what I think about souls. I, I, I am a firm believer in the bodies that we're in right now these are just avatars for our soul this is the body you got stuck with and i really wish they could have picked a better one for me but that's the one i got so it's the one i'm going with but but see but but i always say like when i'm joking around so it says oh don't do that you're gonna get you're gonna kill yourself or you're gonna do this or you're gonna get sick and die or you know quit smoking or quit drinking or do this or whatever i said it's all good i've had a really good run and i'll just go on to the next one and maybe in the next one, I won't smoke or drink, and maybe there won't even be such a thing as cigarettes and alcohol in the next life. You know, yeah. uh, just just a quick just a quick thing. There's this movie where this, and I always like to reference movies. There was this movie, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. But something happened to this guy. He got struck by lightning, or had to hit his head, or whatever. Click. Huh. Is it click with Adam Sandler? No, 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 no. It is a kind of it it is it is kind of a comedy, but but when he woke up, there was no such thing as the Beatles. Oh, okay. So there was no such thing as the Beatles, and what he would do is he would play Beatles songs, and then he wrote it off as his own songs. And, And 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 here's the funny thing when we're talking about smoking. Like, so now he's becoming this famous person and Ed Sharon was actually in the movie and Ed Sharon was the guy that allegedly discovered him, like the real Ed Sharon, the musician. Uh, so he goes out onto the balcony and he's telling one of his friends, man, I could go for a cigarette right now. And his buddy's looking at him. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, a cigarette, have a smoke. He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about because in this realm that he woke up in cigarettes didn't exist. You know, it was just little weird things like that. I mean, again, yeah. we talked about parallel universes and parallel realms last night on the show. So it's kind of stuck in my head. But I'm saying, you know, like your soul could come back. And, and, and I don't think it's linear either. Like, I think your soul can come back and you could be born in the, in the, in the 1200s mm. or, or 10,000 BC. Yeah. Or you could be born in 2022 or you could be born in 2000. Uh, 502. You know, I don't think it's linear. I think you could go forward and you could go backwards. And I don't know what the deal is and who's the person that decides where you're going. But but that's just how I feel. Well, naturally. What if that? Yeah. I mean, what you're bringing to yeah. mind is like, what if like as you progress, your soul ascends for further, you go further into the future. And if you, you know, continue to do things that make your soul descend you go into the past i mean if we're to look at like the past and value that as you know unadvanced and but what are your thoughts on you know pre-civilizations like atlantis and things like that existing in parallel realities because that was something again aurora who we mentioned previously spoke to us about is this parallel uh, world that we're all sort of a part of in this spiritual way. What are your thoughts on that? 
Okay, well, it's interesting that you said that in the beginning, like if you're going forward or if you're going backwards, mm. right? Because in your journey for enlightenment, and this makes a ton of sense, say you're living your lifetime and you're just a rotten person. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of rotten people out there. When you pass away, the powers that be are like, okay, you didn't do such a good job on your path to enlightenment this time. So I equate it to, we're going to keep you back a year in school. So you're going to redo the third grade again. Mm. But but now you're not going to do the third grade again. You're going to go back to pre-K. Like we're going to send you back a thousand years and let's see if we can get it right that time. So that makes a lot of sense what you just said, Mark. And that's- I feel like if that's the case, then I'm from the future and I fucked up. And now here I am, like, just in time to smoke weed before the future happens in 2045. Hey, you know what? I don't think that's going to exist, sadly, in the future if we're heading in this transhumanist direction. Yeah, you know, I don't even know what the future is going to bring. And, and, and I don't think it's going to be anything good, to be honest. Well, I, think we're, I think we're headed for a dystopian I think if we're going to keep thinking in that logic, though, then, you know, this dystopian side of transhumanism maybe that's just the shadow side that we have to go through before it becomes a good thing and flows into you know technology serving the planet technology serving the organic energy of the planet rather than robbing it and starving it and choking it you know i think that's kind of the the futurism side of uh, biology that some people imagine, but I don't know. Have you looked into how real that could be with, you know, we have these fungi that eat plastic and we have all these new ways of maybe potentially harnessing free energy. Okay. Okay. So perfect example. Mm. So we know that right now we're living in a world that's being polluted we're living in a world where it's they're trying to poison us on a daily basis, right? We all know what we're talking about. So what if 50 years from now, and it may even be sooner than that, we end up being in a society that is a utopian society mm. where we're not burning fossil fuels. We're not throwing plastic in landfills. We're not doing, uh, you know, we're not making uh, things out of aluminum cans to give us Alzheimer's. You know what I'm saying? Just to, just take those few things as an example, right? Like you just said, a fungi, and I, and I was familiar with that, Mark. There's, there's a like a fungus or a mushroom or something that actually eats plastic. It breaks down plastic. They have other fungi that clean up oil spills. And we know that plastic is made from oil. So that kind of goes together. It's kind of makes sense, right? And I mean, I'm in the automotive business. So, so, you know, and I have to test cars for their emissions, you know, every year for the state. I've always been a big advocate for electric cars. And now I know there's a lot of people online that just beat up on the electric cars. Oh, that's just another way. It makes no sense because you're charging it with fossil fuels, coal burning plants or whatever. Okay. It's still less emissions. No matter how you slice it. It's still less emissions because they're making power anyway. They're making the power. So now if if we could ever, and I've always loved the idea of electric cars, and I'm actually want to do a show on, on electric cars. I did a little bit of a, we touched on a little bit in the past episode, but 
So say in the future, somehow or other, Nikola Tesla's paperwork is actually discovered and it's leaked and we can pull power from the ether, which we know is there. There's no question that it's there. It is definitely there, which leads me to all these pyramids, all these obelisks all over the world are actually power plants. They make energy, either through the use of frequency, vibration, or whatever it is. Because why are these pyramids built on top of pools of mercury, right? So, so they're using water, mercury. They're using the ether because they all come to a point, right? So, and why are all these obelisks and all these big, like the city of London, Washington, D.C., Vatican City, they all have these major obelisks, which I feel are power plants. They're sucking power from the ether because people need power to get their power put out, right? And I mean the power in the human being, the power of the human being, right? Mm. But say, say we convert to electric cars and trucks, and let's face it, they are all battery technology is not there yet. I think we have technology that far surpasses what we're being told we have, which goes back to the Atlanteans, the Lemurians, the Tartarians, right? These societies that we're being told, oh, those are just myths. They never existed. Well, I'm a pretty firm believer that they did exist, right? But just say we all have electric cars and all you have to do to charge your car is park it outside and put this little device on the roof and it charges your car. Or why can't we have an electric car that charges wirelessly? I mean, you can charge your phones wirelessly. Mm-hmm. I was told by a customer that works for the Defense Department. I can't say where, what, or how. But he told me that they have technology where they roll a mat out on the ground and they can drive a Tesla on top of it, park it, and it charges the Tesla wirelessly. Right. He told me that. And this guy has no reason to bullshit me, like, at all. So so I'm saying, so say in this future life, Mark, we have microbes that we put in the water that clean up the water. And we already have that. Like, like in New Hampshire, in the estuaries that go out to the ocean, they have oyster farms. And these oysters take all the toxins out of the water and it cleans the water. It takes the algae out. It takes the PCBs out. It takes all these things out of the water. And my question that I posed to somebody, and the guy was a scientist who answered me, so it was really cool. Okay, so now we're eating these oysters because, you know, seafood's a big thing up here. Like we all eat oysters, clams, mussels, lobster, scallops, you know, all these mollusks that we eat like crazy up here. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. When you go to Portland and you go to Jay's Oyster Bar, like those oysters are raw. And these oysters have been eating toxins. Well, the scientists explained to me uh, that they, they expel that. But when they expel it, it's no longer toxic. Like it comes in and there's something in the oyster that, that neutralizes the toxin. And then they process it and they put it back out. But it is proven. Like that's a big deal in the state of New Hampshire is cleaning up these estuaries with the use of oysters. So, so we have that now. So what's later, say, 50 years from now, what is the technology? You know, maybe it won't be oysters. Maybe there'd be, you know, some microbe that they, you know, invented in a lab or they genetically modified or whatever, but to do a good thing, like stop genetically modifying things to do bad things. Let's genetically modify them to do good things and put this in the water and maybe it will eat all the goddamn plastic that they put out in the ocean, you know, and take care of all these things. 
And, and now, you know, just, just doing that, getting rid of your trash is a big deal, right? Here, we burn it for electricity. So that's cool. That's actually a good thing for us. But, but yeah, later on in life that we could have a totally u- utopian society. And, and if you're a good boy in this life, that you could be on your path to enlightenment and you might be lucky enough to live in a utopian society versus a dystopian society, which is what we're going to end up with unless some people start stepping up and, and stopping that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, sorry if I went a little long there. No, but. I love the the synchronicity because the town where we're from, every summer there's an oyster festival, which is this month, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, true. And and yeah, it's just really profound. It's hitting me because I'm like, oh yeah, oyster's cool. I never thought that there was anything that significant. You know, the true purpose that that oyster serves is more than just a, another mollusk that raccoons and mammals and all types of birds eat, you know, it's and, you know, maybe fish. I don't know. But either way, you know, oysters have always been a reason why people have come to these parts of Connecticut and I'm sure New Hampshire going back all the way to the time before Europeans settled here, or maybe not. I mean, we were just looking into the history of a place called Gungiwamp, which is uh, a very odd stone formation in Groton, Connecticut. But Tara and I are planning on doing a, a video venture there. It's only available on the Patreon. So if you guys are interested in checking out Gungiwamp for yourself with our eyes, check that out but yeah ron i mean this is uh really significant to me the the fact that oysters might be you know holding some sort of place in our future as yeah saviors or benefactors yeah it actually could be they actually and i don't know why this wouldn't be possible they could take an oyster you know and they already know what makes an oyster tick right and just take, you know, discover or find out what that, what that enzyme is that's in, a, that's in an oyster stomach that, that actually does this and make it in a lab. Why couldn't they do that? But the thing is, like, these oysters, like, the, these oysters get farmed and, and they get put in stores and restaurants. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I like oysters. You well, know, Connecticut I, has some pretty polluted rivers up from, like, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, the Housatonic River. I guess there was some sort of spill that happened there. And then, you know, obviously going back into the 1800s, all the gun factories that were in Connecticut, right, right. there's a lot of lead and ammunition in the rivers from that time period. But, yeah, I wonder, I mean, maybe I'm just naive and, and these projects are already going on here in Connecticut, too. But yeah, that's definitely uh, great information that's synchronistic, synchronistically weaving into our mystic, mysterious investigation of the local area. And I wonder, you know, well, how much of that you've done in your past, Ron? Okay, so I was going to talk about that. I have yes. a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine that lives in this town. I've known him since I was a kid. He's He's younger than me, but... But his dad was a very close friend with my dad. So this kid was always at the old garage hanging out. And we're still friends to this day. And he researches a lot of things. Like He's like another rab, what I call a rabid researcher. And he'll stop in randomly. And sometimes I see him come in. I'm like, oh, man, dude, I'm busy. How, many, how long is this going to take? Because we'll start talking and it could be an hour or two hours, right? And he's actually my friend that we're doing this another, another series for my show on mysterious and enigmatic deaths of 
famous musicians, actors, and other high-profile people. Him and I are working on a separate series, just him and I. And we did our first show on Elvis. So that hasn't gone out yet. I'm waiting for the right time for that to go out. I want to get a couple of episodes to come out. And that's going to be one of our 2.0 shows. But him and I, and it's really funny because uh, I'm an RH negative. I'm an O negative. He's also an O negative. Uh, and a funny thing in our in our town, we have a huge cluster of RH negative people, like abnormally huge cluster of RH negative people, right? So we have this theory. Like weird things happen in this town, like bad things happen in this town, right? I mean, it's a beautiful town. But people that know the history of this town, like some crazy thing, there was a lot of Indians were murdered in this town. They used to get the the Indians drunk, you know, Indians that they deemed to be a problematic, that they would get them drunk. And then when they were drunk, they would kill them. So like, like certain areas that are deemed to be cursed, Mark, you remember when we did a quick Patreon way back when I talked about Mount Chakora? And the story about the Indian that was chased to the top of the mountain and the settler killed him. But in his dying words, he cursed the region. Mm. And for like 50 to 60, 80, 100 years, whatever. Right. That curse held to that area. Right. right. Well, there's talk in some of the history things and some of the oral histories that we've listened to that this town, certain sections of this town were cursed in a similar way. Now, that's nothing they're going to tell you down at the Historical Society. But let me tell you what. I was the president of our Historical Society for about 10 years. And when I was there and I was supposed to be looking up, you know, oh, this person wants to know where their ancestors buried. Like uh, I'd be looking up trying to find shit on this Indian stuff that was going on, you know, because I, I want to look into this. But, you know, that stuff was kind of suppressed. Uh, I, di I did find out an interesting story about this Indian called Sabatis. And maybe we can do another show on that sometime. Uh, but he was he was one that they actually got drunk and killed him. So, uh, but he was problematic. He was a bad actor, that guy. But doesn't mean he didn't curse the area on his way out, right? So what we're doing, so we have this weird theory, and I know it's out there. A lot of my theories are really out there, but this is where good ideas are born from people like me that are crazy and Mark that are crazy. <laughs> My buddy's like, why do you think, why do you think they put all of us RH negative people in this town? Why do you think you ended up living a mile from me up in the sticks part of town? And you guys know where I live because you've been to my house. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of always wondered that, right? Because here's a weird phenomenon that happens on this stretch in this area of town. And I have interviewed people and I've proven it and it happens. I'll have a car parked out in my shop yard. Could have a brand new battery in it. If that car is not started up every day, that battery dies. Literally goes flat. And it's like, so we buy all these ultra jump packs and we keep them in the shop because whatever it is, if it's parked out there, it's going to be dead. We're going to have to go out, put the jump pack on and get it running. Once it's running, it's fine. Well, some friends of ours that we do a lot of business with also have a garage. They just, they do things a little different than we do. Like they do different types of repairs and they're right up the street, like a half a mile from here. Well, they used to be from the other end of town. Like we used to be from the other end of town. 
we're on the very northern end of town. Like we're in the outskirts of this town. So one of them comes down to shop to borrow a tool off me and he goes, uh, hey, Ron, you know, this is probably about a year after they moved their shop up, up here. Ronnie, have you guys had any problems with batteries just randomly going dead like all the time? And I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He goes, we're starting to wonder what the hell is going on. I said, dude, that's been happening here as long as we've been here. There's a gentleman that owns a house a mile up the street that's a very wealthy person, has a lot. He's a Corvette collector. His handyman that goes and takes care of his cars has to jumpstart them and start them every two weeks because all of the batteries go dead. So what is it in this section of town that is an energy-sucking phenomenon? Because I think it affects the people ourselves. Because this is a weird thing, but check this out. I've even told my friends and my wife is very aware of this phenomenon. When I'm in my town, and I've been in this town since I was three years old, and I'm 57 now. You get this strange feeling, now not all the time, but a lot of times you get this strange feeling of being suppressed, of being compacted, of being under some type of spiritual attack. And I am not making this up. When we travel, like I like to go to Maine. Mark and I have talked about that. I like to go to Portland. Mm. When we go to Portland, like if, if we get 10, 20 miles away from this place, I am a different person. Mm. I don't feel like that. I don't have those feelings. I don't have any of those anxieties what I have here. And, and I could be in Portland, like we usually go for long weekends. So, so we'll be up in Portland for a few days. We're having a great time. We're going to my favorite restaurants. We're going to our favorite bars. We're going to the beach. We're doing those things. The day that I know I have to come back, I have to mentally prepare myself for when I get back home. And I swear when I get back home, I can feel it coming. The closer I get, I can feel it coming on to me. So me and my friend have come up with this hypothesis that this town has been cursed with something evil. And we were all put here to figure it out and to go to battle with it. And and it's the first time I've even talked about this. Mm. We actually have it all mapped out on this massive map that only him and I have seen. Wow. We are in a spiritual battle in this town. And there's a reason why all of us RH negatives are here. And is as it is us RH negatives. Do we have a special power? that we can overtake this. Like we could be under attack, but it's not killing us. Mm. Like they're attacking us as much as they can, but we're stronger with them. And what is it that we have to do to combat what is going on here? Right. Because on the road he lives on and, and just take this with a grain of salt, whatever you want to say, there's a swamp out behind his house. Even as a kid, My father had the opportunity to buy all the property on this road. Now, at the time, there was no power poles on this road. There was only a few houses at the very beginning of this road. This road's about uh, three, four miles long. It borders a swamp on one side. You get a little further up, and on the left side, there's conservation land that is a swamp. And I can always remember asking my father, like, later in life, I said, you know what? You should have bought that road. 
because look at what, look at how much money, because my father did well in real estate. He was in the car business, but he, him and my mom made most of their money in the real estate business. He says, you know, when we went down there and we bought all them cars and them old tractors, when we were pulling them out of there, the whole time I was there, I just had this really weird feeling. I just, it's, it was like telling me, you know, don't be here. We don't want you here. And my father was very tuned in spiritually. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard the story or have me tell you the story of how the devil sat on his bed and had a discussion with him when he was a little kid. So my father was very, very superstitious, a scared of the dark. When we would be gone, he'd literally have every light on in my mom's house. If he was down to the haunted garage by himself, every light was on in this place. He knew something was up. He was scared of it, but he didn't know what he could do about it. But he told me there was no way I was going to buy that land because I had 100% faith that something bad was going to happen if I bought that land. So now, you know, every time I drive down that land, I, I, that road, I go past some swamps. I mean, I get a weird vibe and I'm not making this up. I'm being 100 percent truthful here. So on this road, there's been two recent shadow person sightings from two different people. Shadow people walking down the road. And they said when I drove up to him, I thought it was just some kid in a hoodie. And, and, and this guy, OK, this guy is a pastor. He's a Christian pastor. He said, I drove up and I was going to see if they were okay. When I got up to them, it turned around and its face was all blurry. And then I just kind of looked away. When I looked back, he was gone. There's been two sightings of this, of this thing on this stretch of road, right? There's also been sightings of overly large crows and overly large owls on this road. Now, this road connects to my road. How large is overly large? Three feet tall. He described, it, he described this crow as being about three feet tall. And I said, dude, there's no way a crow was three feet tall. Even if, well, it could have been a raven. A raven is not three feet tall. Are you sure you weren't looking at a crane? Because we have tons of cranes here. I said, are you sure you weren't looking at a crane? He said, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, it was a crow. Or maybe it was a raven. But it was, vulture? in my guesstimation, we do have turkey vultures here, but they clearly have a bald red head. Right. You can definitely tell a turkey vulture from a regular. Tur- I mean, well, they look crow's like crow's got before. a big head compared to its body. So yeah, I would imagine right. a three right. foot crow would have a beak big enough to eat it like a cat or a bunny rabbit or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there's also been Sasquatch sightings and Sasquatch phenomenon going on on this road. Wow. Which we are in the pro. And now we've gotten accounts from. Three different people that don't know each other. Yeah. That live on this road. Well, I'll tell you what. The and, then, morning- wait, and, and hold on, Mark. We feel as though that there is an evil aspect to the Sasquatch. One of the things that I'm working on, on some Sasquatches, I believe that there is an element of evil intertwined with them. So, Because my friend is, is absolutely convinced that what's out behind his house in that swamp is a family of Sasquatch. And I remember telling my friend that bought the house right next door to him when, when, when he was, I was helping him move in. I said, well, just look at the bright side. Maybe you'll have Bigfoot come over and visit you once in a while. He says, why did you fucking tell me that? He said, because now I'm going to think about this because you know, the stories that Sasquatch lives out in this swamp. Right. Yeah. Take it however you want to take it. Mm. But this is something that we're working on, on the side. But we have to be spiritually spirit 
spiritually ready and strong before we take this battle on. Right. And this is something I've never talked to anybody about. So now all these people are going to think I'm super crazy now. No, you're on the right show to do that, Ron. My family thinks I'm crazy podcast. But when we woke up after tenting out, you know, having the night in your yard there, the next morning I found a snake in the grass. It felt good vibes. At your we house. felt good vibes, yeah. you know, but we've been attracting a lot of animal omens. We saw a fox on our way up the road. I'll be right back. On our way to you. And yeah, it was very interesting. But okay, so Mark, let me just tell you what I do to try to make my property to be a safe haven. Like I use a little bit of my ritual that I feel as though is in my DNA. And I don't want to get into it, but you and I have talked about this before. Right. So I feel as though I have some certain powers that I might have picked up in my DNA. And I will actually go out behind my house and I will just talk to the woods. I know that may be out there, but I talk to the woods. I I walk around the property. I talk to the property and I try to do what I have to do to get the evil spirits off of that property or at least get the evil spirits to be in fear of me. Because when I was young, my mother said she had a very prolific dream about me. And it was from that point on, she knew why I was born. And she also said that I want you to know that if you ever encounter evil forces in your life to be strong, because they have no power over you. Right. And and we've had to deal with them even on this property. So that's what I do. I try to put that positive energy out and I let whatever is out there know that you can try to mess with me, but you're probably not going to be successful because I am not going to back down. Right. So anytime you want to go at it, let's go. But here's something weird that happened at the beginning of the week. One night I'm out walking the dogs late and my dogs are a little freaked out. They're looking out in the woods. I could smell a skunk, right? But it wasn't like 100% skunk. And I just blew it off as a skunk. But my dogs were paying attention to the backwoods. Their hair was standing up on their backs and they ran up on the porch. Now, my dogs are pit bulls. They're not, you know, they're not really scared of too much, right? Two nights later, I'm sitting out on my deck because that's what I do at night. And my dog, Opie, was sitting out on the porch with me. And I have a gate that actually keeps him on the porch. You guys probably saw that, how I have gates on my porch that I keep close. And I'm sitting there, and I could smell an overwhelming smell of stench, manure, skunk, wet dog, all mixed together. If you ever listen to Sasquatch Chronicles... In people's depictions of what they're smelling and these odors, dead ringer. So now I'm thinking, okay, is this Sasquatch coming and checking me out now? Knows where I am. It has come and checking me out. So we put up all new cameras because if he is, I'm going to get him on camera. Because, because I, as I believe, like, like that patch of woods is just through the woods and across the road down to this other section of town that I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, it can attempt to do whatever it does to me. I'm not scared of it. And I let them know that. So I put that, I put that strong energy out there. 
you know, like I said previously. Uh, but remember when you guys said you were going to come and camp out at the house and I wasn't there? I'm like, well, okay, well, just be careful because there's Bigfoot, the Sasquatch is out in the woods. And, and you you started laughing. I said, no, 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 I'm serious. Now, I don't know how you took that or if you thought I was just bullshitting you, but I just wanted you to be aware of that because I know you guys are in tune to things, right? Yeah. So, well, other than the fox, the snake, and the cat, that's it. Those are the only animal encounters. Your cat, we met your cat, but no Bigfoot. We didn't meet your Bigfoot, Ron. So you met my my cat that hangs out with me. He's not my cat. He thinks he's my cat. Uh, oh, no, you mean the cat's in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, which one was it? The most what? social one. I don't which, remember. Well, what color was it? was it? It was gray. Okay, so that's Smokey. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's Smokey. He's all gray. It's like a black cat, but he's gray. Like he's yeah. the same color as my dogs, which is kind of funny. Like he was a feral cat that got hit by a car and I rescued. Okay. And then I brought him home. And actually, when he was at the vets, my wife's like, oh, how's this cat making out? I said, oh, Smokey, he's doing good. Oh, he's got a name now. I'm like, of course he has a name. Well, what are you going to do? You're not bringing him back to your mother's up to put him in the barn after. I said, no, he's coming home. Oh, no, we're not getting any other cats. Mm. I said, look at me into my eyeballs. He's coming here. He's my little <laughs> buddy. He's my little buddy. I saved him. He knows I saved him. And he's going to be my cat from this point on. And, and it's funny. I mean, he's been, it's been, that was a couple of years ago. I mean, and he's been with me ever since. He's a really cool cat. He's a really cool cat. He's a yeah. little asshole sometimes, but he's a cool cat. Well, we enjoyed him, and we yeah. definitely enjoyed talking to you folks. Ron from New England is certainly crazy. I believe it, but he's also incredibly wise. A lot of great stories shared here today. I hope Ron, I didn't get off. I hope I didn't get off task too much for you. No, no, no. I loved it. I think yeah. So because uh, you you know Mark of all people, that sometimes you got to rope me in. <laughs> We got roped all different ways, but loose today. We got into a bunch of different topics and reincarnation, which is something that's really deep. And I love that uh, you shared what you shared with us. But for folks I'm out I'm there, gonna, I'm going to look. I'm going to look more into. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Mike. That's all right. I'm going to look more into that, and we're going to come back on, and we're going to do another show about reincarnation because that is a huge subject for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, we'd love to have you on our uh, synchronistic experiment in the ever-expanding now for that conversation. I think that would be really cool. Mm. Or as Tara named it, the synchronistic exploration of the ever-expanding now, which I do like better because now we are past the point of experimentation. We are fully exploring the now. And Ron, we definitely want to have you back on for that. But for folks out there who want more, Ron, they can go over to the Wicked Planet podcast and you have these new 2.0 shows that you've been pumping out and you're also planning on creating a Patreon, which I'm sure will be out by the time this episode comes out so yeah folks go over and check out ron support him support his cause because he's doing this all like us from the seat of his pants just starting out independent podcasting and that's how this thing works you know value for value if you like the show show us some love help us out for us patreon.com slash mftic three dollars you can get all of our episodes we have just as many free episodes 
as we do paid episodes and Ron's on a bunch of them. So if you like Ron, go check those out as well. But yeah, yeah Ron, Ron. Ron is also a patron to my family. Thinks and I'm yeah, <laughs> you know what? I think this would be our second. Yeah. Second time doing it with you, Ron. And you were a patron then as well. So, wow. Look yeah. at this. Yeah. We got to do when we get enough patrons, we got to do like a group podcast together just for the fans that'll be fun yeah, but yeah thank you cool. for yeah. for your support because you've definitely helped me out with that and i plan on uh, putting your patreon in the episode description once you create it so when this comes out people check out the episode description if you want to show ron some love on his uh, new patreon it's so new it's not even created yet yeah we gotta get on that this, mark yeah. oh when you're when they're listening to this it'll be out so check that out and and yeah ron i'll be your first patron yeah, that sounds good. And I know you've been actually on my case about getting that done. And, and we're definitely going to do that. Well, and there's I just wanna, there's and other I, options, too. I mean, we we just made a buy me a coffee, which is another great way people can support us if they want to just throw us a one time donation as well. So maybe we'll make yeah. you one of those as well. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Hey, I just want to tell people where they can find me besides the podcast. They can find me on Instagram at Ron from New England and on Instagram at the Wicked Planet Podcast. Just come and give us a follow. I've been working on putting out more content. You know, my I only have 20-something episodes, but I, but we're getting received pretty well from what I understand. I guess we're doing pretty well. So so I'm happy about that. You know, I, I, I kind of describe my show as a non-GMO show. It's totally organic. It's raw. We just get on. We have a rough idea what we're going to talk about. And then I just roll. Right. And Buck and my co-host Buckley and Kristen are actually very good at that as well. So it works out really cool. You know, I always thank everybody for the support. And of course, of course, you, Mark and Tara, you guys have always been big supporters. Uh, I know Tara is kind of new to the game, Uh, but I knew about Tara. So I knew about Tara way before Tara knew that I knew about Tara. So so, here we go. Well, no, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just going to say I'm very happy that you guys are sitting there together because when you were describing her to me, I'm like, Oh my God, this chick is cool. I like her already. Uh, That's the direction you need to go. And that's all I'm going to say. So it's really cool. It's really cool to see that everything is going well. Thank you, uh, and, and I look forward to when we can meet in person at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. We're definitely going to be driving back up yeah. to uh, Vermont or New Hampshire. So we'll be in your neck of the woods. And and yeah. thanks for reminding me. We never plug the Instagram. But folks, if you want to see more of Tara and I go over to at my family thinks I'm crazy on Instagram. And of course, check out the middle aged adventurer. Right. And Ron from New England on Instagram. Okay, I'm sorry, I get distracted. That's all right. <laughs> okay, yeah. So thanks for having me on, Mark. It's just good to see you guys. Right. On. Uh, and, and and go check out Mark's his Instagram stuff because it's really cool. I really like the stories uh, when you're you get very animated, which is really cool. You know, way back in the beginning, I used to hang out with Mark when he was driving around town. It was just Mark and his car and me. It was just him and I, and he was driving around going to get his backwood smokes. Remember those, Mark? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We'll turn the live back on. We'll yeah. get you in there again. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're reminding me of how unplugged I've been lately, which is good. But also, you know, we're getting back into it. Folks, mm-hmm. check us out. If you don't want to sign up on the Patreons, show us some love on Instagram. 
join the community. But anyways, thanks for tuning into the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Peace out. Join us on the journey. My heroes, thanks for listening. Aren't robot voices weird? You better join us on our Patreon if you want to see behind the scenes. Patreon.com slash MFTIC. Join today. I never said the things I said when I was out of my head. And you were out of your mind. Or still inside. Dancing between the lines of the Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We truly appreciate you now go enjoy a plate of spotted dick. Get out the hash some wacky tobacky and roll it up, light it up, smoke it up, baby.